Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Hey, thanks for choosing to tune in today. This is Arena Church. Uh, my name is Tim and I'm one of the campus pastors along with my wife Helen at the Ilkeston campus of Arena. So thank you for coming on board and, and clicking on the, the link today to watch this. We've, we're in a series in a summer of Galatia, a, a letter that Paul wrote to the church of Galatia. And we're starting off, we're starting off with a, a good title today. There's only one gospel. What does that mean? Well, we know what one means, uniqueness. You know, we all know what an original copy of something can be. It can be, I don't know, a, a guitar or a piece of artwork or whatever. There's only one original. There might be copies that don't quite match up to that, but there's only one original. And that's the same for this message. There's only one gospel. And the Apostle Paul, who's responsible for probably about maybe 20 to 25 percent of the New Testament, quite a, a big deal in the Bible, and is, is writing to the Church of Galatia, which is based in the central uh, of Turkey. And he's not a happy bunny. He is not a happy person. And he's making that clear, ready from the outset in chapter 1 here, uh, starting at verse 6. So the passage today is Galatians 1, and it's verses 6 to 10, and it says this. It says, I am astonished. This is Paul talking. I am astonished. Some versions say marvel. Others versions say that um, I, I can't believe it. It's just not right. Shocked even. You know, Paul is astonished that you are so quickly, the church of Galatia, are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion, are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we've already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than the one that you accepted, accepted let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings, Paul says, or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I wouldn't be a servant of God. Paul can't believe that not just have people turned away from the gospel, but how quickly they've done it too. It's like a football fan. One minute they're wearing the colours because their team is doing really well. I've got the shirt, I've got everything. The next minute they're on a different team. This team isn't doing so well. This other team is. I'm with them now. A flake, I call them a flake. You're a flake. <laughs> it's like people who say, I'm going to be somewhere, then at the last minute they drop out. They flaked out. But normally Paul's tradition, when he's writing his letters to the churches around the different areas that he's been ministering to, he starts out with pleasantries. He starts out with, with things about, how are you doing? I'm thanking God. Let me give you an example of that. Romans 1 verse 8 says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. I'm thankfully starting out in that realm already. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 4 says, I always thank my God for you because of his grace given to you in Christ Jesus. Philippians 1 verse 3 says, I thank my God every time I remember you. There's a theme here. I'm thankful. I'm, I'm, I'm just excited. I'm, I'm, I'm just with you guys in all of this. But Paul needs to get straight down to business here. We know what that means, getting straight down to business. Perhaps you've been in a situation where somebody hasn't given you the good to see you. They've gone, hey, listen, we're, and you know, whoa, it's straight on here. And that's what Paul's doing here. He's skipped the pleasantries. He's getting down to the serious matters. 
Paul can't believe that they've turned so quickly. From what though? From a gospel. What is that gospel though? The gospel message. The gospel message is important that we know what that is that they're turning from. First of all, the gospel is a message that's worth knowing. It is worth knowing. It's life-changing, literally. Everything we thought about ourselves gets flipped, turned upside down, literally to how we thought about ourselves. I wasn't a bad person. I haven't done anything majorly wrong. But the Bible tells us that we've all fallen short. All of us. There's no one that is exempt from that. Something that needs to be taken seriously by us all. Falling short means that we're all sinners. We've all got sin on our lives. And it's that sin that separates us from God. The gospel, though, is Jesus coming down to earth, dying on a cross for our sin, conquering death and sin, and by rising again. He came in our place. He took our position and he defeated sin, allowing us to restore this relationship with God. It brings about, it brings about a reconnection, if you like, with God. God can't tolerate sin. It cannot be in his presence Hence, Jesus was the only remedy for that sin. And that allows us to have a relationship back together with him. And in becoming and in understanding this and doing this, we get to, in understanding that the victory that Jesus has given us, we get to share in that victory. And there's nothing that we can do to honor or to get it, to, to buy it. It's free. It's a free message. It costs us literally nothing. That's the amazing thing about it. But it costs God his son. Okay, God knew he was going to get his son back, of course. But it was the sacrifice in the first place of his one and only son. Made a way that our relationship with him again would be restored. It doesn't matter what your history is. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what you've done wrong. It doesn't matter what sort of scales that you can uh, look at in your life of how bad things or, or, or maybe even crime or whatever it is that you can put on a scale of badness. It doesn't matter. God, through Jesus, has dealt with it all. It's for the whosoever. For God so loved the world, and it's for the whosoever, that he gave us some for the whosoever. It's an amazing message, the gospel. And because we don't have to do anything about it in terms of we can't earn it, we can't literally physically do anything for it, and it's free, that's grace. That is grace. That is the gospel. That's good news. The gospel literally translating as being good news. And it all points to Jesus and only Jesus and it was Jesus who said I am the way the truth and the life and no one comes unto the father except by me nobody there's not a credit system in place for all the good things you've done there's not enough charity work in the world that you can do to earn your place there's not a bank account in the world that can buy your way into heaven there's only Jesus only Jesus so back to this passage in Galatians Verse 7, Paul wants to make it clear that, that any other gospel that differs from, from the, this Christ born, lived, died, and, and was resurrected is actually not a different gospel, but it's no gospel at all. But others were preaching a different gospel though. It says it there. They were preaching different gospels. And there's biblical warnings for us about false teaching. And it's applicable for us right now as it was back then. You know, the devil will do anything to try and unhinge, to distract, to derail uh, your walk with God. 
He'll even try and distract you from coming into a walk with God through many different things, many different thoughts that he will use to, to, to sort of shift you away from entering into a life with Christ. The problem is that the world has so much deception in it as well. Everywhere you look, there's always something better to make you feel better, to make you feel good about yourself. That's very evident in the world today. It's all about how we feel and it's all about you. And, and similarly, the gospel can get twisted to make it feel better for you. For example, you can have a good people gospel. We're all good people, really, you know. We've, we've all made mistakes. Sure, we've all slipped up. But deep down, we're really good. And, and God knows that. God knows that you're good. So you'll be okay. The problem is, is that, that Psalm 14 verse 3 says, All have turned away. All have become corrupt. There is no one who does good. Not even one. No one. Or a be true to yourself gospel. Just be your authentic self. You know, God created you in a certain way. So just... Embrace it. Embrace those faults. Embrace those things. Follow your heart and just be yourself. But Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? So here we have two places here where all have become corrupt. That's everybody. And the heart is deceitful above all things. So it, it defuncts that sort of thinking. There's prosperity gospel. And just to be clear, Arena Church is not a prosperity gospel preaching church. But it says, it says in, in the prosperity gospel that there's a promise of health, wealth and happiness. All your troubles are taken away, if you like. You know, because you've stepped into a life of Christ. That means you, everything's, everything's taken care of. You don't have to worry about a thing. But then Mark 8 verse 34 says, Whoever wants to be my disciple, this is Jesus speaking, must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Oh man, take up their cross. The cross that Christ, you know, symbolizing here what Christ was crucified on that means that there must be some turmoil there must be some sort of suffering there must be some challenges along this road that I'm going to experience it doesn't promise anything about health wealth or happiness so what can that all bring what can these messages bring it can bring in doubt 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 we can all be familiar with we can be 100% sure about certain things in our lives and then just in an instant doubt creeps in Doubt creeps in. I love flying. I love flying, taking off the, the, when you're up there in the sky and landing. The whole experience, I love it. The first time I flew with my wife, Helen, is we, were, we were taking off. And to be fair, she's not scared of flying, but she doesn't like to take it off in the landing bit. So every time there was a noise, oh, what's that noise? Oh, what's that noise? That's the wheels going up. What's that noise? That's the, the, the flaps coming up. And that's, what's that noise? Oh, the, then there were certain noises like I didn't have the answer for, but she's asking all these questions. And I'm, you're sort of like looking out the window to look at the end. The end is okay. Doubt can creep in, can it? Is, is it okay? Are we okay on the plane? Doubt can easily creep in. And there's a great example of doubt in the Bible, a guy called Doubting Thomas. You may well have heard him. And, and it says in the Bible that, that, that he wanted to see Jesus' wounds. He wanted to see and feel his wounds. In John 20, verse 24 to 29, it says this. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, Didymus translate as a twin, so perhaps he was a twin brother, but he was one of the 12 disciples was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were, and I put my hand in his side because he was stabbed by a spear at the end, I will not believe. He wanted to see and he wanted to feel in order 
to believe. Here we have somebody, and this is phenomenal, who actually lived with Jesus at the time. He'd seen Jesus do many different things. He'd seen him. I've seen Christ. I've seen him live. I've seen him do amazing miracles. I've seen him show us how to love. I've seen him show us how to serve. He was the one that was prophesied about. I believed that, that, that he would go to a cross, would go to die an untimely death. A die, well, it was a timely death, really, if you, if you think about it. But in, in life, he was 33. It was an untimely death. But, but here we have Thomas who wants to see it. I don't believe it unless I see it. He had doubt. Now he gets on fairly called doubting Thomas because I would have probably done the same thing. You would have probably done the same thing. Oh, he, what, he was here? I never seen him. Are you kidding me? Uh, mate, I have to see him for myself, feel him for myself in order for me to, to say this has happened. Okay, And that's where Thomas is in at this moment in time. It can all, it can all seem so hard to believe when doubt creeps in. It creeps in. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine Thomas's experience? He was there, but yet still wanted to see, still wanted to, to feel him. So what do, what do we do with doubt? Well, faith comes from hearing the word of God. Romans 10 verse 12 says, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. I have friends that have camped it a couple of places. In, in this sort of thing. They, they said to me, I would be fully in, the whole shebang, I'd be fully in with this whole Jesus thing, this whole Christianity thing, if Jesus was to turn up right in front of me right now, do some of his magic, Jesus magic, that's what he calls it, and, 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 and I'd be all in, I'd be, I'd believe it, i believe it. I've also had this one. I wish I could have had the faith like you've got, Tim. The problem is I've got too much doubt in my head. <laughs> you, what, I haven't got doubt? We've all got doubt. We all struggle. What? Well, hang a minute. You, the campus pastor of Ilkeston sometimes have doubt. Yeah, I ask questions all the time. But what do I do with those questions? That's the important thing. I don't turn my back on doubt. I walk through it. I don't turn my back on God. I look towards him. And that's where the blessing comes through our doubt. Because he will meet you on the other side. He does that. And he will convince you. You will be convinced in your hearts through what he and how he ministers to you. He may use somebody to do that. He may use the scriptures to do that because that's his primary way of communicating to us. He may use a podcast like this to communicate something to you. However it is, God will come through if you fix your eyes on him, if you fix your eyes on him through the doubt. So John 20 verse 29 says, Blessed are those who have not yet seen but believed. Thomas and disciples got to see. Thomas did get to see and did get to feel the wounds. They all believed. They, they were there. But for us, Jesus is saying here is that blessed are they that have not seen but have believed, which points us towards Hebrews 11 verse 1, which says now faith is confidence of what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. I don't think doubt is an enemy of faith, but more a kind of weird Friendship. One of those friendships you think maybe they shouldn't really work, but it does. You might know people who shouldn't really be friends, but they are friends. And here this is doubt and faith working together. I think it's good sometimes to have doubt. I think doubt can be something that brings you closer to God, can reveal deeper things about Him. I think it's important that we walk through that, that we walk through this journey, because there's a question that. We all need to answer. And when Jesus did say in John 14, verse 6, I mentioned it earlier. When Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. We have to ask a question. Is that true? Is that true? Is Jesus 
who he says he is. Is he? There's only two options with the gospel. Like I said, it's either true and we need to sit up and pay attention to it or it's a load of rubbish. And this is just a, a crazy guy called Jesus who managed to convince thousands of people around him, including the disciples, including one who was his brother. Now, if, if it was my brother saying, I'm, man, I'd be doing everything to defunct that big time. But his brother was on board with this, on board with it. If ever there was a time to, to bail out, if ever there was a time to bail out on Christianity, each of the disciples, well, most of them are recorded. I think there's quite a few of them recorded as being killed or martyred for their faith. If ever there was a time to bail out, that was then. You know what? Forget it. I am out of here. But they didn't. They died, all died for the cause of Jesus. So doubt is going to come if it hasn't already. The Galatians aren't unique here. Don't run from doubt. Don't turn your back on Jesus. Instead, embrace it. Go to him. Go to his word, the Bible. This gospel message is worth knowing about. It's life-changing. It's eternity confirming and it's hope-giving. It can be offensive because it's telling you that you're not good enough. It's telling you that you can't do anything in your own strength. And people can see that as being offensive. But that's the grace of God. He's saying, I've done it all for you. All you need to do is come to me and receive it. Come to me, receive it. So Paul, and that's why Paul rounds off Galatians 1 by saying there isn't, uh, he's not there to win approval from man. He's not a crowd pleaser, you know. Who likes a crowd pleaser? Who knows a crowd pleaser? Likes to play to the crowd and, and make sure that they're happy. He's not there to do that because he knows that the gospel will, peep, will raise people's backs a little bit and, and all that sort of thing. And that's where I know it can be too for you. You might be on this morning thinking, this is, this is a load of garbage. You know, you're raising me up. You're telling me that I'm not good enough. You told me that I've, I've fallen short. All I'm saying and what I'm preaching is what I believe in terms of what the Bible says. That the Bible says that we've all fallen short. And there needs to be a remedy in order to restore a relationship with God. And that is Jesus. The gospel is good news. The gospel is good news. If you're watching this morning and thinking, I'd like to step into a relationship with Christ. I want to make this guy who came to, to earth and give his life for me. I want to step in and, and, and become a Christian. I want to pray for you. I want to do that right now. And if that's you, I just ask you just to, to repeat these words in, in, your, in your heads, in your minds, in your hearts. Even speak them out loud wherever it is right now. So I'm going to pray this. Lord Jesus, thank you that you came to die on a cross for me. Thank you that you came and took away my sin, that you've dealt with it. No matter what I've been through, no matter what I've seen and done and chosen to do, Lord, you forgive it. You forgive me. And Lord, I want to step into a life with you. I want to step into this relationship with you. Would you help me on this journey? Would you guide me in this journey? As I read your Bible, will you reveal things to me? Help me to understand it. Even if I have doubts, Lord, would you work through those doubts and Lord, reveal yourself in and through the doubt that I have. So Lord, I give myself to you. In your name we pray. Amen.